ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas talking a lot about the disappointing Los Angeles Lakers today. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. You can also join the conversation, and we're about to get to some of your calls right now. On the Canty call in line, one eight 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 say espn That is 888-729-3776. We are asking you, is this Lakers team the most disappointing team in sports history, and how do you fix this team moving forward? So let's get to some of those calls. Twig in Los Angeles. You are a Lakers fan, I understand. Where does this disappointment rate to you? I've been trying to come up with, uh, well, first of all, uh, I'm enjoying both of you guys. I'm a big fan of both of you. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out another team that we can put in the mix in this conversation. I mean, the only thing I could think of that's similar would be the 92 Olympics with Dan O'Brien and Dave Johnson. Like, that's one of the most disappointing moments in sports history I can think of to even come close. I mean, you made some good points, Amber, about the fact that, you know, what did we expect with Russell Westbrook, uh, LeBron's age, AD, street clothes? What did we we expect? Um, But as Laker fans, we have hope for the players we get. I didn't want Westbrook, but, you know, we had to ride with it. And this is the result. So you did make a good point. But I can't think of another team we can compare this to. Even the, the Steve Nash team made the playoffs. Um, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, they went to the finals. I mean, we, I can't think of another team to compare this to. Can y'all? Thanks for the call, Twig. I would say that you're at your nomination of Olympic teams. I mean, that is a place to go there. Like that 2004 Olympic oh, team goodness. is the one that comes to mind. That was <laughs> LeBron and Carmelo and D Wade and Tim Duncan and AI. And, and yet they did not continue their international dominance. And that was kind of the first time that I remember thinking, like it, we're supposed to be dominating the world and Hey, we're not now that was also cognizant of the tides changing in terms of international basketball. Mm-hmm. And now of course we're in a place in the NBA where we have all sorts of phenomenal international players because the game has grown so much abroad and I mean shoot your all your MVPs this season are international players potentially so that's kind of the trajectory of where the game has gone so that's an interesting one but it's hard to pinpoint uh, other like I feel like these examples are all coming from basketball so obviously we could steal from other sports but it's hard to pinpoint I guess the disappointment in terms of missing the playoffs. I think that seems to be the key here that Twig just said. I mean, there's been other disappointing teams in NBA history, but totally missing the playoffs is particularly disappointing. Yeah, and that was my thing. And to, to piggyback, off, uh, piggyback off Twig, he, he said, what should we uh, have expected? I'll tell you this, when it comes to Lakers basketball, Lakers fans, Lakers management, and Lakers players, the only thing that should be expected is a championship. But if you're not going to win a championship, you're damn sure about to make the playoffs. And when you miss the playoffs, that just leaves a bad taste in a lot of people in Los Angeles, not just Los Angeles, but around the world who are Lakers fans. Because, see, Lakers fans, they just aren't in L.A. They're all over the place. Because people were fans of Magic Johnson. People were fans of, 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 of excuse me, I can't even think right now. Um, of everybody of who's Kobe. ever played Shaq, yes, Kobe, of, everyone of who's Shaq, ever played on the Lakers. Guys, right? It's one of those so, teams that, like, it, it, I mean, let's be real. It's one of those kind of bandwagon markets in a lot of ways, it, exactly. right? Where you're so jumping on board, and you probably jumped on board when LeBron James came to town, too, outside of L.A. 
it should be a championship. It doesn't matter who's on the team. That should be the expectation. That's why I was upset with Russ early on in the season when somebody asked him what is the expectations, and he went rogue on that whole ordeal. The expectations for Lakers, period, should be a championship no matter who's on the team and who you with. That's just – that's. I think they have built that brand up to that point. Well, let's not get too crazy because we're not very far removed from a Lakers championship, and LeBron James did deliver one. But Mike in Maryland, he does not agree that the Lakers are the most disappointing team. I understand it. Mike, what's up? I, I wholeheartedly don't believe that the Lakers are the most disappointing team in sports history. It's got to be my Cowboys. For 26 years, they have not been to the Super Bowl, and it's upsetting. Every year I get this magical high, and then, like, every day, <laughs> every time, I get told by everybody that, oh, we got a Super Bowl team. Oh, we got a super talented team. Next thing you know, they drop the ball. We don't even win the NFC East, and then when we do win the NFC East, we put out in the first round. It has got to be my Cowboys. Now, I will say this about the Lakers. This is the first time I've ever seen a Lakers-built team without a single player drafted for the Lakers. But outside of that, you got to expect that from a LeBron-led team. But outside of that, my Cowboys have got to be the most disappointing team in, in sports history, not just the whole team. It's the whole franchise right now. Mike, thanks for the call. And, Harry, the Cowboys are one of those other franchises where the expectation is always Super Bowl. And to Mike's point, it has been a really, really, really long time. That's why I'm saying let's not get too crazy over the Lakers. We're only a couple years removed from a championship. Yeah, the Cowboys um, – see, I, I didn't think the, the Lakers are the biggest disappointment in sports history. I said NBA history. Uh, but I understand where he's coming from when it comes to the Cowboys because guess what? On first take, I said before that playoff game that they was going to go down to the 49ers because they are who I thought they were. And they went out there and the 49ers didn't let them off the hook. Well, there's been a lot of prisoner of the moment reaction to the Lakers in terms of them being the biggest disappointment in sports history. And also, we've been asking it on every show because that's what we do here uh, on talk radio, right? The hacky sports radio conversation. But it's a very legitimate one when it comes to this Lakers team because everybody is disappointed where the Lakers end up finishing the season, not even making a play in scenario for the postseason. Keyshawn, of course, from Keyshawn, J. Will and Max this morning said the Lakers are the most disappointing team worst team that I've seen in my 50 years well let's call it 40 years of understanding basketball and really watching basketball most disappointing team in in, in Laker history by far it's not even close when you have LeBron James on your team and you have the opportunity to make it to a play-in and a playoff with LeBron James and you cannot do that no matter how many games he misses no matter how many games AD miss no matter how bad Westbrook is playing, you're supposed to still be able to compete. Mm. To Keyshawn's point there, when you think about it in that context, and of course Keyshawn is a diehard Lakers fan, when you have the greatest player of his generation, the greatest current player in the world on your team, you should probably be making at least a planned scenario. Yeah, I almost I had to almost catch you there, Amber. I was about to say, don't forget about a guy named Michael Jordan, who I think is the greatest of all time. Current player. I said current player. Yeah, yeah, that, don't that, at that, me. That's, Everyone that's, calm down. <laughs> and I say it of our generation. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking of Jordan, of course, as a previous generation in terms of player. Everybody, everybody <laughs> settled down. 
But I they mean, go, that's pretty inarguable, right? Like calling now. LeBron what, the greatest of this generation. I don't think that is particularly controversial. That's why I had to uh, get you to clarify because, you know, they're being your mentions left and right. Hey, don't add me. Don't add. Unless you want to. Amber W790. You know what? <laughs> Bring me all the mentions you want. And also add H Douglas 83. We will continue to get to your phone calls throughout today's show. We are asking you at Triple Eight, say ESPN, are the Lakers the most disappointing team in sports history? And we're also asking how you fix these Los Angeles Lakers. We will get to that conversation. Harry and I are taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern. But coming up next. Tom Brady says that his return to the NFL after a very brief uh, pseudo-retirement will be his greatest challenge yet. Are you buying that? This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Tom Brady is back, and he says it's his biggest challenge yet. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas on with you today. Did you know that you can listen to ESPN Radio commercial-free That's right. You can listen to all your favorite ESPN radio shows and much more without the ads on TuneIn, the best audio app for sports fans. Just download the TuneIn app to get started. So Tom Brady's retirement lasted, what, 40 days, Harry Douglas? And then he unretired, and now he's back. And he says... They know that once I said yes, there's no turning back, and I've got to commit to every bit of mental toughness. I have to be in this with them until the end of the season, and I'm excited for it. But then he goes on to say something interesting. He says, it'll be my greatest challenge yet. And Harry, there's one thing I know about you people, and by you people, I mean professional athletes. (laughs) Y'all are crazy. Clarify that, Amber. (laughs) Y'all are a little crazy. Uh, Y'all are a little crazy when it comes to the whole competitive thing that you have going on. And when you even reach the greatest of the greats, which all of you guys to even be professional athletes to begin with or ever even play in the NFL are the greatest, right? But to then be the greatest of those greatest, which Tom Brady is, and the greatest to have ever done it in the case of Tom Brady, he still somehow has to find that chip on his shoulder. We see LeBron do it, you know, like, I want my damn respect too, even though everybody in the history of the universe respects LeBron James. <laughs> I feel like that's what Tom is doing here, where Tom Brady's like, oh, this is my greatest challenge. Like, oh, okay, this is your greatest challenge. You were retired for 40 days, bro. Like, it seems like, actually, Harry, his greatest challenge was being home with his family and not playing football. Oh, <laughs> now, Amber, you're, well, saying, you're saying something right there. He see them kids came in there where he had his feet kicked up. Up trying to watch something, and then they kept bothering him. It's noise on top of noise. He cleans up an area, and the next thing you know, the area is back dirty within the next five or ten minutes. See, uh, honey, like a can, dad, can, can you go pick the kids up? Can you grab this while you're out? This and that. Tom Brady was like, hell no. I'm going back to football, baby. Please <laughs> allow me to play football again. But I will tell you this. This is the biggest challenge for Tom Brady. You want to know why, Amber Wilson? Why? So you because believe that. Why? Because it's the next one. See, we don't focus on the rearview mirror. Sometimes you got to knock that rearview mirror down so you're not always looking at it. So we, 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 we focus tunnel vision. We focus on things in the now and ahead of us. And right now, Tom Brady, his biggest challenge is winning that Super Bowl again because we know the pattern. He lose one, he wins one. He lose one, he wins one. He lose one. He wins one. Not necessarily lose a Super Bowl, but doesn't win it. That -hmm. following year, he wins it. I think that's been going on, what, the last 10 years, if I'm not mistaken? And guess what happened last year? He didn't win it. So guess what everyone is expecting him to do this year? Win that Super Bowl because he's Tom Brady. That's why I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a favorite 
in the NFC. I know a lot of people have the Rams, especially with Bobby Wagner going over there, Aaron Donald. They have a lot coming back. Trust me, I understand. But there's a reason why we call people the GOAT. And there's a reason why Tom Brady is the GOAT. He has playoff Lenny coming back. He lost some offensive linemen. They just went and traded for Shaq Mason. He has Tristan Wurz. He had Donovan Smith coming back. They re-signed Ryan Jensen. Mike Evans is still there. They re-signed Chris Godwin. Now Chris Godwin's going to be a while before he gets, he gets back out there. They, had, they signed Russell Gage, who came up for Atlanta, who I like a lot. And they're still waiting to see what Gronk is going to do. I just can't see Gronk leaving his boy in limbo. I just Here's can't what do Gronk's it. He did doing. it. He did Gronk's, it once. Gronk's leaving his boy for training camp. <laughs> He's leaving his boy <laughs> for all that nonsense that happens over the summer, right? He maybe if he's maybe if he's even leaving his boy for like the first week of practice, but then he's going to be right back. <laughs> I, I think that's what Gronk is doing at this point because he said, "Hey, I can't commit myself to football right now." And I'm thinking, "Well, yeah, it's April." <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you if you're Rob Gronkowski. I would imagine that Gronk is going to be back. It's pretty unfathomable to think about him somewhere else. But Gronk is only 32 yes. years old. People forget that. There's a lot of wear and tear on that body, but he is only 32 years old and we are talking about him being the wild card whether he is going to be catching passes from the guy who is 44 years old it's pretty remarkable I just think this whole thing with Tom Brady though is funny to me where he's like since coming back from retirement is my greatest challenge which is how I'm taking these quotes and I'm thinking, okay, that like, did you retire for 40 days just so you could do this? Because you needed, Amber, like, you were lacking that. motivation at 44. Stop so that, that right Like, now. I retired. Like, it's, I'm coming back from retirement. It's so hard on me. Bro, you, you were home for a month. <laughs> but, Amber, you know how we're wired. And I say we because I'm a former athlete. You know how we're wired. We're, we're constantly looking for that next challenge. We're constantly looking for that motivation, right? Y'all were just laughing at me because – for the month of April, I didn't eat any red meat. You know, the, I mean, for the month of uh, March, I did a great job, but I needed that next challenge. See, you're always, athletes, you are that. You are built like that. You're always, we need that you want next your next fix. challenge here. You're, you're, yes. you're asking to drive shows here. You're yes. like, I want to, I need to be in it. I need to be the guy. I'm like, why? Why don't you, Harry but Douglas, see, it's, it's, you've accomplished a lot in your life. It's something we can't turn. I don't think it's it. something we can turn off though. Like you have some people that, that kind of stuff just drives them. Others, it might not be like that. I, I don't really think it's something you can turn off. Like, I'm constantly looking for the next thing to drive me, to push me, to make me great. Because I love to put myself in uncomfortable situations so I can grow in ways I never even imagined. So now the question becomes, is Gronk able to turn it off? Here was the Buccaneers or Ooh. maybe former Buccaneers tight end talking about whether he could commit. That's why I wasn't catching. I was throwing the passes because if I knew I started, you know, catching some passes that, you know, my head would have started turning like, oh, oh, crap, man. I got to get back out in the field. And right now I'm not ready to get back out in that field. I'm not ready to commit to the game of football right now. You know, I'm just enjoying my time off uh, to, in order to play the game of football. You literally have to be 100 percent dedicated. That was courtesy of TMZ Sports. So he was coming off of throwing footballs because he won't dare catch a football because he's afraid <laughs> he's going to get bitten by the bug that Harry Douglas was just describing because y'all a little crazy. Listen, Gronk, it, I'm, it's hard to believe that he was just throwing a football and at any point he did not catch the football. But I understand what Gronk is going through right now. Like he wants to enjoy, relax himself and push it all the way up to the last limit. Listen, my, not my last year, but I think Tony Gonzalez last year, 
he didn't do OTAs at training camp, right? He wanted to spend more time with his family. And I had the luxury to be able to play with Tony Gonzalez, learn a lot of things from him as well. But that last year, he didn't do OTAs. He didn't do training camp. He came the last day, and then he started when we got ready for the regular season because he was so wore out and wanted to spend more time with his family and things of that stature. And when you reach a certain point in your career, I don't have oh, yeah. any problem. Not everybody with that. can do it either. Not not everybody has of that luxury. Not. <laughs> yeah, not everybody can do it. Gronk is one of those people who can do it. So we'll see if he ends up coming back. Coming up next, more of your calls on LeBron and the Lakers. Again, you can join the conversation. One eight 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 say ESPN. That is triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. Plus, does Devin Booker deserve more MVP consideration? ESPN Radio. The Los Angeles Lakers are surely disappointing, but what do they do from here? This is ESPN Radio. You can give us a call on the Canty call in line, 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. So no matter what you think that the Lakers have up their sleeves in terms of the offseason, I think every Lakers fan across the nation right now is incredibly disappointed that they won't be discussing a postseason. It is going to be a long offseason with a lot of questions, and one of those questions is going to be, Who's to blame? David, he's in Florida. He's got some thoughts on whose fault this Lakers situation is. What's up, David? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I I don't think it's a disappointing team. I think it's LeBron's disappointment in his overall career. He, as successful as he's been, I think at his age now, his kind of narcissistic ways of he picks who he plays with as long as they don't outshine him. And I think he knew if Westbrook doesn't do good, he can blame them and not himself. But if he picks up DeRozan and DeRozan outshines him, it's no longer LeBron's team. And I think that's kind of how he's made his whole career. If you look at Miami, Wade Wade conceded and said, hey, this is LeBron's team. And LeBron was happy. I think as long as it's his team, he's happy and he can put the blame on everybody else. David, thanks for the call. I know you were waiting on hold for a long time. First of all, though, I, I mean, I can't agree with a lot of, of what he just said there because, first of all, Harry, nobody could have expected DeMar DeRozan to be this DeMar DeRozan. And Hell certainly Lamar no. James. Lamar, <laughs> no Lamar, way. LeBron James was not worried about DeMar DeRozan outshining him. DeMar DeRozan is having the best season of his entire career. I'm not taking anything and away. still isn't outshining LeBron. And he's still not LeBron <laughs> James. So, yes, the, the again, the greatest player of our generation. Everybody calm down. Don't at me. The greatest player of our generation is not worried about DeMar DeRozan outshining him. And, in fact... I actually disagree to David's point entirely that he's worried about anybody outshining him, Harry, because I think he actually brought in Anthony Davis to do that. I think he recognized Anthony Davis as the next guy up. I'll bring him in. I'll age gracefully. I'll transition to the two. He'll transition to the one eventually. This will fall on his shoulders. So I think his long-term plan was actually for Anthony Davis to outshine him. And the whole problem with this Lakers team is that that plan is a total failure because A.D., ain't LeBron James in terms of his durability. And I agree with you 100%. Uh, LeBron wanted to turn these keys over. Like we just mentioned early on when we talked about it, uh, to Anthony Davis so he can drive the Ferrari. But Anthony Davis hasn't been healthy, he hasn't been consistent, and he hasn't been there when his organization or his teammates needed him the most. And that is on the court. You, they say they have this saying, you can't make the club in the tub. Well, he's made the club, but the club is not winning because he's in the tub. Right. He's in the training room 
and he's not out there who helping has guys. That saying? You can't make the glove in the tub. Who's saying is that? Well, we, we say that in football all the time. I have never heard that. That's when that, whenever we had guys going to training room. Oh, I rolled my ankle. It's a roll ankle. So what? Can't make the club in the tub. And it's I true. Just, we used, I mean, listen. We used to have that saying all the time. You always hear the old, you know, the best uh, ability is availability. and all, But it's, right. it's true. Like, you have to be out there in your respective sport for your skill set to matter. And AD is a phenomenal athlete. We know that he's a phenomenal player. It doesn't matter unless he could actually play the game. Mark, he's in North Carolina. He also has some thoughts on LeBron James. What's going on, Mark? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Go Red Sox. I just wanted to say... LeBron is not a good leader. He has walked out on his team multiple times. In fact, I, I searched for the video for this uh, just yesterday. I didn't see it on ESPN. And I came up with all these times that he walked out on his team last year. And I think he did it again last night. What kind of leader does that? Like, you stand there with your team and you fight to the end. I mean, maybe he's on the bench. But I can you speak to that as to why he's walking off? And, I mean, there's no apology for that. I just – I just lost a ton of respect for him. I mean, all respect to him as a person, because we all deserve that. But walking out on your teammates before the end of the game, that's uh, that's unexcusable. Yeah, that's that's that is salty. And we have had the conversations with LeBron where he walks off with a couple minutes left in the game or he doesn't end up hanging around after a game's conclusion because he's so frustrated. I mean, listen, Harry, he's LeBron James like. That man has earned the right to do a whole lot, but I never love the look either. And LeBron sometimes does do salty things and he doesn't always, you know, appear to, to be the best teammate, but at the same time, like he is LeBron James and he's kind of earned the right, I guess, to do whatever he wants. Well, I can say this because my brother happened to play with LeBron James in Miami and he speaks very highly of LeBron and says LeBron is the ultimate teammate. And I've had an opportunity to be around him on numerous other occasions and, uh, he showed me the same thing. Now, what we got to understand is that he is LeBron James, and LeBron James is going to take a lot of heat. You have people hating on LeBron James, and he's a guy that we haven't even ha- haven't even had any off-the-court issues, and people still find ways to say, hey, LeBron is not this, LeBron is not that. You got to think about all the things since high school that LeBron James has been dealing with because he's been in that spotlight. So, But do I like him walking off on his teammates? No. I don't like it at all. But at the same time, nobody in NBA in the NBA right now is going to take on more pressure than a guy named LeBron James. So we also have to remember that as well. Yeah, LeBron overall has done a phenomenal job dealing with an unsurmountable amount of pressure his entire life. I mean, he has quite literally been a superstar since he was a child. Uh, And considering that, he has done a phenomenal job. There are numerous, to that caller's point, there are numerous – times throughout his NBA career like even he even did it uh, in one of the finals games back in the bubble in 2020 where he walked off the court a couple minutes early because he was frustrated when the heat were winning so you know I mean there have been times that LeBron heads to the locker room early and it's not always a good look but at the same time I mean he's he's LeBron James so there's only so uh, there's only so worked up I can get frankly about LeBron doing something like that for all accounts to Harry's point I've never heard from players that LeBron is a bad teammate I imagine playing with LeBron is not always 
fun or easy because of the scrutiny that comes from playing with LeBron and because of his greatness, but not because he's not enjoyable to be around or because of how he is as a teammate. It's just the expectations. Like if you're on this Lakers squad this season, it probably wasn't a particularly awesome time here towards the end of the season. And that's because (laughs) of the expectations that LeBron James brings to your team. Exactly. No, I agree with you 1000% ever with that take. But it's not because LeBron is, you know, not necessarily the best CNA. Now we do see with LeBron, like, but we see it with all athletes of this generation, like the subtweeting, you know, some of the low key, like salty things he says or the messaging that he sends. And he certainly won sometimes to pass the buck in terms of blame. But I don't think he's going to be able to avoid the blame in this scenario because not this year, not this year. Like this is the year where. A lot of people are pointing the finger at LeBron and saying, listen, you know, you are in control. You're the powerful guy there. And Rob Blinka didn't do anything that you didn't sign off on and frankly probably did several things that you encouraged. And if you wield this kind of power with great power comes great responsibility. And because of that, there's you're going to take some heat and LeBron is going to be taking it this off season. But at the end of the day, the Lakers are probably going to do whatever LeBron wants them to do to try to get out of this hole that they have found themselves in. As we head towards the postseason without the Los Angeles Lakers who were officially eliminated last night when the Spurs won and the Lakers lost LeBron, of course was not out there last night with that injured ankle coming up next. We transfer to the transfer portal. It is actually, is it actually good for athletes to bolt at the first sign of trouble? That's next. This is ESPN Radio. Zion Williamson's stepfather, who is named Lee Anderson, he said that he expects Williamson to return to play this season, Harry Douglas. I'm talking about this season, this season that has a couple games left in the season. This season, he's expecting Zion to return to play for the New Orleans Pelicans. He said that is ultimately, of course, going to be up to Pelicans medical staff. But he said, I expect him to play. If you were to ask Zion, I'm sure he would probably say the same thing. I have a really hard time, Harry, believing that at this point, Zion, (laughs) nevertheless, the Pelicans are going to bother for Zion to come back. Well, this is crazy. This also lets me know that the organization and Zion and his family are not on the same page, right? We've seen the video that Zion posted of him doing the in-between-the-legs dunk. Okay, but uh, it was on a bouncy court. Did you notice that? It was on the squishy court. Yeah, but still, I don't think he was even supposed to be doing those type of things at right. that time. But, no, he was just showing us apparently that he can. Honestly, but but here's here's my thing with Zion. When he comes back, is he going to be on minutes uh, restriction? Uh, how does that affect the rotation? And what if he plays well, but then he can't finish the game because he's on a minute uh, restriction? What's his conditioning going to be like? These are all the questions that people got to start asking if Zion comes back because those are the unknowns right now. We do know when he was hurt before and he came back, when Alva Gentry was the head coach, he was he would go into games, he was do well, but he couldn't finish the game because the organization was trying to protect him. And Alvin Gentry wanted him to finish the game because Alvin Gentry wanted to save his job. So – I don't I don't think this is a good idea when it comes to the New Orleans Pelicans because it's not like they're going to contend for an NBA championship uh, within the play-in situation. They're probably going to get bounced if they make it uh, in the first round. So I, I don't think this is good. Now, it would be great for ratings and, and basketball and things of that nature, but for the future of the team and the future of Zion, I just don't see uh, why you would do that. 
it seems to me like Zion's stepdad here is is trying to make Zion look like the good guy and maybe the Pelicans look like the bad guy, which is what I feel like Zion was doing, frankly, by putting out that video that you mentioned where he's like, hey, I'm over here. I'm hooping. I can do some things, but I'm not playing. And and it's kind of like pitting Zion. Like the problem isn't me, in other words. But to be honest, Harry, I have a hard time believing that the problem isn't Zion because there is so much made about the conditioning factor when it comes to Zion Williamson. There's so much made about him not keeping himself in shape and so it's just hard to for me to look at this situation and think that some of this isn't on the shoulders of Zion Williamson and then so publicly he has seemed disgruntled with that organization since before he even arrived there like I understand the Pelicans are not absent from criticism here as an organization but he already had this in his mind before he even got to New Orleans. And so it's really hard for me to believe that Zion now is the one that's just so motivated to be on the court and the doctors are saying no. Is entering the transfer portal a good thing? This is ESPN Radio, which is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you. Now the transfer portal, Harry, in my estimation, made this college basketball season a pretty darn interesting one. So there's good and bad when it comes to the transfer portal. But you got the amazing St. Peter's Cinderella run in the NCAA tournament, and now their three biggest players, their junior guards in Doug Edert and Daryl Banks III and Matthew uh, Lee, they are all entering the transfer portal and actually officially did as of yesterday. Now, of course, we know their head coach in Shaheen Holloway became the head coach of Seton Hall. And so now there's going to be a mass exodus from St. Peter's in terms of their best players. I don't have a huge problem with players doing that, but I do wonder when we're talking about players leaving, because those guys are obviously leaving for better opportunity because they're capitalizing on where their stock is right now coming off of the NCAA tournament. But what about when players just jump ship because they're not getting playing time? Do you think that today's athlete is entering the transfer portal too quickly? This is a tricky subject and a tricky topic because the simple fact that uh, you think about guys like Joe Burrow who transferred and had that miraculous season with LSU and then went on to be the number one pick. Then he went goes to a Super Bowl uh, in his second year in the NFL. You look at a guy like Jamison Williams who transferred from Ohio State, has a huge year at Alabama. You look at Manic from the Tar Heels who came from Oklahoma, got a chance to play in a national championship. Now, as far as the guys go that transfer because of uh, coaching changes – I have no problem with that. And I can't – this, this defense, I try to straddle it a little bit, though, because I love seeing players getting the opportunity to play different places if they're not going to play somewhere else. But let's not just go into a system and say, you know what, I'm not playing. Without working hard and trying to produce, I'm leaving, right? I, I have a hard time dealing with it under those regards, people just going into a situation and, you know what, I didn't put forth my best effort, but it's not me. Coach not playing me, I want to leave. Now, I can understand if you're giving your best efforts and you're not playing and you decide to leave, I understand. Or some a family member gets sick and you want to move closer to home. But guys just transferring just because you're not playing. And I understand everyone's situation is different. It kind of bothers me a little bit because I'm big on – and I listened to Don Staley after she won a national championship – and Destiny Henderson was the best player in the national championship game for the South Carolina Gamecocks. And she thanked her mother for making her daughter stay at South Carolina, not transferring after not really playing her first two years, 
and she won a national championship, right? She went out there and balled out. And now we're talking about her name on a big stage because she did so. And I understand that it's the flip side of it. On the, it happens on the other side as well because I just mentioned Joe Burrow. But yeah. just because I don't think the character of young men are being built the right way, just leaving just because. Because I was in a situation like that in college as well, right? I didn't really play my first two years. And I only started playing my sophomore year because another star receiver we had, Broderick Clark, got hurt. If it wasn't for Broderick being hurt, I wouldn't have played until my junior year. But never once did I think about transferring. My mindset was I need to get damn better. And I would go to my receiver coach and my coaches every day, what can I do to get better to get on the football field? Get stronger. Got to get stronger. Okay. Run better routes. Got to run better routes. Got to catch the ball better. Got to catch the ball better. I was looking at the things that I needed to do to be better. Some now, would that be kids, different? But, would that be know, different but, if you weren't like you were at Louisville, right? Would that be different yes. if you were at Bama, right? And so a school like that where you've got, you know, five dudes ahead of you on the depth chart, hey, just by on, the very nature on, of how on, that now, program recruits. Gonna, that's what you're not going to do. You're going to disrespect Louisville. I'm not trying to disrespect No, I've got to jump just, on you right now, Amber, because, see, when I was at school in Louisville, we was ranked in the top ten a lot of years. Yes, we had years that we were in the top five. We went down there and played Joe Miami Hurricanes, and we lost the game. <laughs> hold and on, those are my Hold Devin on, relax, Hester, relax, those boys, are my And we still end up in the top five. After we lost to him, and we should have beat him. Don't you do this to me, Amber Wilson. Not today, because I don't want to get on you. I'm saying, when it comes to <laughs> these programs I know where I it's dynasties, <laughs> right? And so, like, it, you know, the, everybody on the depth chart. I mean, so in other words, like, you could just get buried, and maybe the coaching staff isn't even really getting an opportunity to get a good look at you because there's just so much unbelievable talent. Does that change things? Or do you think if you were in that situation, you're still thinking – yeah, I just have to. I just have to get out there and prove myself. I will get my opportunity if I get out there and prove myself. Well, here's the thing about that: some of these kids who are transferring, they're actually not ending up at other places, or they're not ending up in better situations. That's that's the thing. That's the part about the transfer portal that a lot of people don't talk about, because you have a ton of kids entering this portal every year, but not necessarily those guys are going into better situations. It's only a few people that are actually going into better situations and getting the opportunity to ball out and play. That's not happening for the majority. See, we they highlight the, the guys that are having success and doing good, but I want them to start highlighting the guys who don't have the success and who aren't doing good after they transfer because those numbers are higher than actually the people who are taking advantage of the transfer portal situation. Levi, he's in Indiana. He's got some thoughts on the transfer portal. Levi, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I think that the transfer portal, I'm going to play both sides here. I think that, uh, you know, these kids, God willing, they have four years, you know, COVID year, gave some people five year five years of opportunity. I believe that, you know, if these kids, we don't know what they're being told by the coaches when they're being recruited as far as playing time and things like that. So I can understand where, you know, you have that hunger to want to compete, but we don't know what these coaches are selling these kids behind closed doors. And when you only have four or five years of playing, uh, I think that you, you should be able to decide how you spend those four or five years. I don't think it's up to anybody to tell you what you can and can't do. And I also believe the transfer portal, I think what we're going to see is it's going to water down high school sporting because you're going to see a lot of these you know, when you recruit a high school kid, you don't really know what kind of uh, player they're going to be at the next level. 
where you can get somebody who has been competing at like a smaller Division One school and transfer to a bigger D1 school. So I think I believe that the uh, the transfer portal is going to water down some of these uh, these athletes ability to be recruited out of high school by bigger yeah. colleges and i'm not talking about the five-star athletes or the high rate of four-star athletes i'm talking about the other three-star four-star athletes who can play the game of football or the game of basketball if that makes sense yeah absolutely i mean i i, I do tend to agree that it, it brings a different dynamic to recruiting because you are talking about guys with a different body of work on the actual collegiate level. I do think the transfer portal has been interesting from the fan perspective because I actually think it's created more parity in sports. It's not necessarily what I would have expected, but I do think it's made the fan experience a better one. And I also think that these student athletes should be able to control their own dis- destiny. And and if they want to go somewhere else because they only have four years to shoot their shot and to show what they've got. If they think that they're going to have a better opportunity to do that somewhere else, then fine. But consider it carefully because the grass is not always greener, Mm -hmm. Harry Douglas. I mean, my late mother, before she passed, gave me some really good advice where she said, the grass is not always greener. You're just always trading one set of problems for another one. I think she was talking about relationships, but this could apply here to colleges as well (laughs) when you're talking about the transfer portal because it's true, kids. You have to consider that every Every program is going to have uh, some downsides to it, and so is every coaching staff. And you want to be real careful before you enter that portal to make sure that you're making the best decision for yourself. But it's a hard lesson to learn. It's one I think they should have the ability to learn, though. So coming up next, LeBron James has learned some hard lessons. Let's go back to the conversation about LeBron James and the Lakers.